go. All right, Jay, today we're talking about chapter 16, Tough Love is Still Love. So I guess any love is good love. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I but, don't remember where I originally heard that expression from, but but I remember thinking I liked it, and then it was a perfect fit for this chapter. Yeah, and I think there's going to be a lot of lessons to be learned and experiences that many box owners and trainers can relate to within this chapter. Uh, but let's dive right into it here. We're talking about a past member of Albany CrossFit in the early days, 2008, and his name was Andy. And he was a great member when he first started. So he's loving it. He's loving you. He's loving the programming, the gym, CrossFit, all these things. But then he quickly changed. Uh, his demeanor changed and he's complaining all the time, not liking the programming. Like, what, what do you think sparks a, a shift like that in a member? Well, well, I mean, I think I talk about it a little bit in the chapter, but I think everyone that does CrossFit long enough has different evolutions, you know, and that might be, all right, I, I found this thing and I like it. And I come in a couple of days a week and it's fun and, you know, it's a good community and I am getting fitter. And then it, for a lot of people, there's a tipping point where it's like, all right, I'm seeing progress. More is better. You know, I got my first pull up. I want to get 30. I got a handstand push up. I want a handstand walk. I want to PR my snatch, you know, and then those people, I think if you're listening, maybe this is you. It's like, there's a, there's a period after that where it's like, all right, now I'm burned out. And then it becomes, you know, how do I keep this sustainable? How do I keep CrossFit as something I do daily? So I think everybody goes through different evolutions. And I also think those evolutions are influenced by when you started. So if someone were to start CrossFit more recently, like, you know, 2017, 18, 19, the truth is coaches, box owners, and even these members that are joining are a lot smarter. You know, so if someone were to join now, we have an on-ramp, we have scaling, we've got this, these years of experience to say, hey, slow down. Where back in the day, it was just like, no one knew. It was so new. I didn't know to tell people. We, you know, we've talked about it. I hardly knew to scale people, let alone tell them to you know, come in less often and rest more and stretch and all those types of things. Well, and you kind of touched upon some of the things there, but I just want to make sure we're, we're clear and we focus on it a little bit. But how do box owners and coaches, one, recognize burnout in athletes? And two, how do you course correct? So let's, like, let's kind of outline the steps and a little plan. Well, I think when it comes to realizing someone is burned out, the obvious one is they're not showing up. Yeah. Right. So you have that. And, and, you know, obviously if you're at that point, you're probably a, a little bit too late, you know, not to fix forever, but in that moment, I'd say more so what you're looking for is just, you know, they started to show up a little less, a little less emphasis on how hard they're pushing themselves in the workout. Maybe if it's someone that's, usually super friendly and a great disposition. They're more tired or they're not hanging out after class as often and, and for as long. So those are just some small ways to measure it. Um, and then course correcting, I think, A, hopefully you're doing it, you know, you're front loading that. In the on-ramp, you're talking about choose rest before rest chooses you and have the importance of rest. You know, for a lot of people, what we realize is they just don't know any better. I'm making progress. I'm coming to the gym three days. Four is better. Five is better. Seven is better. Where they don't realize 
you know, things that you and I may have been told from a young age, you, you recover when you're not here. You know, you're, when you're sleeping, your body is resting, recovering. So just front loading that. And then we've talked about it numerous times so far, sit down with people, just sit down with them. Hey, you know, I, I noticed you're, you're not the same that you've been in the last couple of months. You want to talk about it. Yeah. And I think, you know, a sit down meeting is important too, because I, we know from years of coaching and dealing with people on with nutrition, it's easy to talk about it and tell them to do it, but then it, it may be going in one ear and right out the other. And it's not the sexy things, you know, like the sexy thing is to come in and blow yourself out on a, met, a Metcon and red line all the time. And then you're spent after a couple months and that burnout starts to affect how you feel about the place, how you feel about your coaches. And it could also tie into their personal lives. Maybe part of their burnout is they're, you know, going through a rough patch with their significant other or times are tough at, at their job. And they're just trying to come in and get some kind of release at your gym, but it's all feeding into this perfect storm of being burnt out. So that sit down meeting might give you a little more insight into what else is going on in their lives. Yeah. I mean, if, if someone's burned out at the gym, chances are their outside world is impacting it. You know, they're probably not sleeping as well. Like you said, maybe they're dealing with stress of a significant other, a boss, anything, but, but yeah, something that I hope is, is resonating throughout the, the chapters of these book. It's talk to your members and, you know, and if you're a coach and this is happening elsewhere, just talk to people. I think, you know, not to get it. We don't need to dive down this rabbit hole, but in the year 2020, it's very easy to walk around and never talk to anybody, you know, yeah. head down, phones on. So just make an effort. Since moving out here, I can tell you, like, I really do my best to smile at people, say hi to people and just have conversations. And it's a little different in Boulder, Colorado than it is in Albany CrossFit sometimes, you know, it's a little yeah. more of a hippie demographic, but I bet you if you do that in Albany or if you do it in, you know, you know Georgia or Alaska, wherever you live, you know, it, it'll, it'll resonate. So tell me about drunk Fran. Right, right there in the first couple paragraphs of this chapter, you mentioned uh, doing drunk Fran at a party with members. Everyone's in their underwear. Everyone's vomiting everywhere. Uh, so tell me about how, how did this even start? Uh, it does. I, we definitely weren't doing things like that when, when I came on. So yeah, something. you know, the, the early days of Albany CrossFit, I refer to them as, you know, the Animal House days. You know, and if you're if you're not familiar with Animal House, it's a '70s movie about a fraternity, and that's really what it was. It was just a big party. I don't remember this exact party, but it must have been around. This must have been 2008, because I don't think it, this would have you know flew much beyond that. But drinking went down, and we, everyone's partying, and you're at the gym, and. I don't remember who threw, you know, the idea out of doing a drunk Fran. It may, may very well have been me, but uh, yeah, we wound up in our underwear doing Fran. I feel like whoever did was definitely probably the most far gone person. Because <laughs> yeah. it's one thing to suggest doing Fran. It's another thing when, you know, you've been drinking and you're at a party. And that you know, sounds like a good idea. I could argue that it's easier to do Fran drunk. You're a little loose. You're not as stressed out about it, you know, but, but yeah, you know, Luckily, everyone survived. So drunk Fran went down at this party. And I'm not sure if how far before drunk Fran, Andy was starting to display signs of, you know, 
not enjoying his experience at the gym and changing things up and what he's doing. And we'll get more into that specifically here soon. But he came in that Monday uh, disappointing or disappointed and disapproving of Drunk Fran. And he has an MMA background. Do you think it was part of his demeanor at the gym? Or do you think maybe his MMA mixed martial artist background played into it on, hey, we should respect the place. There should be you know, honor and training, you know, this isn't a game. Do you th think some of that played into it? Or he was just maybe just more far gone on, uh, you know, not appreciating the place. I think it's one of those things where once you've kind of created this idea and mindset, anything exacerbates it. But I definitely think you're right. He, because he mentioned that to me when he was upset about it, he said, you know, I, this is like a dojo to me. I remember him saying that. And you know, when if, if you've ever trained martial arts, regardless of, of what style you've trained, you know, the mats or the school, you see a lot of bowing and respect going on in there. And, and he felt that's what should have been going on at the gym. And I don't fault him for that. I think that's a great mentality and, and in theory, a great idea. But not everyone is joining a gym for the same reason. You know, people join martial arts often because they want that discipline in their life. And, and you're also, you know, fighting or sparring with your fellow community members where you have to have a lot of trust and respect and not that you shouldn't at the gym, but it's a little bit different knowing, you know, you're going to be pulling punches or trying to tap one another out versus just working out beside them at the gym. So he, he was very upset about that. And I probably didn't handle it perfectly, but I remember pointing out some of the original CrossFit videos where there was an in and out Fran where they, you know, ate in and out burger in between there was things going on like the beer mile and, and all, all sorts of other workouts that involved drinking. And, you know, to me, we were just kind of exemplifying what the CrossFit spirit was all about. I wasn't doing it in a way to disrespect the space. I was just doing it in a way to promote, you know, this idea of community and CrossFit. Yeah. And, and on, he took it as disrespecting the place because he has a different maybe perception of what the space should be and what it is to him. Do, did now, you, do you feel like you did a good job, maybe not, validating, you know, how he felt? Probably not. Um, I think, I don't think it was a bad conversation, but when you say the word validated, I probably didn't do a good job of, hey, Andy, I hear you, which I would do these days. Um, you know, and the, and the other thing to throw in there is he wasn't old, but compared to the mean age that was starting to come into Albany CrossFit, he was a little older. He's probably at this point, early forties, you know, married, he had a, he had a daughter. So, you know, all of a sudden this demographic demographic is shifting, right? It went from these original older women and then other people. Now, all of a sudden it's a much younger crowd. And I think that impacted him a little bit. The fact that maybe part of him wanted to be, you know, partying and doing a drunk friend with us. You know, or maybe part of it was, hey, I'm mature. I don't need this immaturity in my life. I'm not sure. I tend to think it was the former. He was still a very fun guy. I think he, I think there was a little bit of envy in the fact that he couldn't be hanging out with us. And then and he wanted to be. Now, at, at this point, your relationship is starting to deteriorate with Andy. You know, uh, there's the drunken Fran. I don't know what came before that. But he went from a member who's enjoying and singing praises to complaining about a lot of things that are happening and eventually starting to change the workouts. And the way that you referenced in the text that he's changing the workouts 
is if the weight on the bar was supposed to be 95, he was going 135. If it was regular pull-ups, he was going to do chest bar pull-ups. So he's essentially going to one-up the program, RX plus it, every single workout. And you tried to rein him in, but at that point, would you say, you know, essentially what, what, what's, what's happening is he's lost respect for you as his trainer. So he's not going to listen to you. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. He lost respect there, but I, I knew it was deeper than that. And I think, you know, if you were a member of Albany CrossFit, you know, circa this time, you remember that. And, and, and I'm sure, like so many things, every other box experienced it. There was that period of time where it's like, I'm going to go heavier and heavy this and heavy that. And, and I think part of that was influenced by the CrossFit Games. You know, the, the 2008 Games had the 275 deadlift. And whenever the CrossFit Games announced something back in the day, it became the standard. So that year, the CrossFit Games in 08, there was a 275 deadlift and there was chest-to-bar pull-ups. And all of a sudden, those were the standards. Like regular pull-ups aren't good enough. You know, 225 isn't good enough. So you can easily take that mentality and also look at it where it's like, hey, the best in the world are doing this. I should be doing that. You know, and then, of course, that blew up years later when it's like the best in the world are training for hours a day. But no, it's the best in the world are doing chest-to-bar. I should do chest-to-bar. And like I've discussed, and, and with Andy, it just became, I need to go heavier. I need to be stronger. Like at some point, we've talked about those evolutions. You know, you get to the point where you can basically, and hopefully everyone listening gets there, where it's like, I can RX any given workout on any given day. Now, can you do that, but do it faster? Can you do that, but do it better? Well, yeah, but that's harder than just adding more weight to the bar. Yeah, and I, I think this is a good jumping off point you mentioned this in the text and i know it's discussed at the level ones and the level twos but going heavier for the vast majority of people it's just making the workout easier because you're reducing the intensity because you're going to be resting more often instead of doing the 21s on fran unbroken you're going to drop it three times or four times so can you can you just explain a little bit of that mentality on how going heavier when you're not ready to is actually way easier than doing the prescribed weight or scaling it back? Yeah, and we use the expression, you know, easier, way easier. Let's be real. All, all CrossFit workouts are hard. Yeah. But when I say easier and when you're referencing it, you know, what we're looking at is really the power equation. You know, if you go to your CrossFit level one, the very first lecture of the weekend is the what is CrossFit lecture. And, and we talk about constantly varied functional movements at high intensity. And this high intensity piece is really where the results come from in CrossFit. Now, try to explain this well enough, and maybe I'll put a little image on the, uh, on the audiobook page, but intensity equals power. Power equals force times distance over time. All right, so if you're just listening, it's a power equation, force times distance over time. Now, when we, when we think about that, there's, there's three ways to increase, increase your power, therefore increase your intensity. Force, how much you're moving, so we can increase your weight that you're moving. Maybe it's add more to the barbell. Maybe it's throw a vest on if you're doing body weight movements. Distance is influenced by how many reps you're doing, but also the range of motion. Are you doing a snatch from the ground? Or are you doing a hang snatch? Is it a power snatch? Is it a squat snatch? So how far you're moving your body. And typically, that's not influenced too much. And then, of course, the biggest variable is your time. So while it may look at first glance like, hey, if I increase the force, my intensity is going to go up. Oftentimes, when we know when you increase the force, your time also goes up. So 
you know, the example would be, you're gonna do Fran. Say you got three people doing Fran, one at 75, one at 95, and one at 135. Now let's, let's even take a step back. Let's assume it's the same person because that way the distance never changes, right? The distance from getting your butt below parallel to the bar locked out overhead and getting your chin over the bar, you know, 45 times throughout the workout. You have to really take a, a, the equation and say, okay, there may be an opportunity to increase my intensity going at 75 versus 95. And, and for some people, the Frasers and the Tias of the world and the fittest athletes, 135 is actually more intensity because they're going to do it at the same speed. Yeah. But point is, most people that are doing this are slowing down significantly. Yeah, they're going to break more often. And you explained all of this to Andy. And do you think that that was maybe at the time a good way to kind of, kind of start? Like you see you have a disgruntled member and you're coming at him with all the science. Of course, you know what you're talking about. He probably definitely knows you know what you're talking about. Uh, do you think that was the best way to go about handling that member? You know, this is over 12 years ago, and I've now given that What is CrossFit lecture probably close to 100 times. So I think I know it a little better and can explain it with a little more certainty and confidence. Yeah, that was probably a little smoother than what you said back in 2008. Yeah, back then it was probably like, you're going heavier, you're going slower, you're dumb, right? Where now I was explaining it a little better. Maybe I would have drawn it on the whiteboard. You know, I had only been to a level one probably three or four times back then, but not as many as I've witnessed these days. So, you know, I probably could have explained it better. And I probably could have just, you know, talking more about how it's making me feel and maybe thrown out some challenges. We talked about it in the 5K episode, but maybe it's, you know, hey, Andy, they're going to start and I want you to go a minute later and I want you to try to beat them or, you know, let's change things up. Like, Hey, let's, we're doing Fran today. You know, think outside the box today, Andy, I want you to go 45 unbroken thrusters, then do your pull-ups 45 reps, you know, change it up a little bit. You've talked about it when we've had you on the best hour podcast for your programming episode where you've talked about com and how you can mix it up to get different responses and, different intensity levels out of it. Do the same to your members. Always be changing it. But, you know, I, I probably could have handled that a little better. But let me also say, not to make excuses, Andy was a very stubborn dude. And it's difficult to deal with stubborn people. And uh, before we go any further, definitely check out that podcast episode on the dot-com programming. One of the most highly sought-after episodes on Best Hour of Their Day. Top five. Uh, top five. Uh, so, you know, it, it definitely it's difficult to deal with stubborn people because you also are, have to be coming from a place of authority. You have to have a little bit of stubbornness to yourself. You're, you're the boss. You're the coach. You're the owner. And at one point in the text, you explain that to Andy. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on this because there's a quote out there that if you, have to, if you have to say you're the king, you're not really the king. If you have to say it. You know, if you have to say, I'm the leader, I'm the boss, then maybe that means your actions aren't really backing up your words, so to say. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, just think, in general, not, not in this situation, just in general. Yeah, I think there are a lot of expressions that I listen to and I hear people say them and I'm like, you're, this is not what you mean. So, for example, I, I'm always aware when someone says, to be honest. You know, so when someone says, to be honest, I'm like, wait. Were you not being honest before that? <laughs> yeah. Like, what's going on? Or, uh, 
you know, no offense. Well, if you say no offense, you've either just offended somebody or you're about to, you know, so, so those types of things, when you have to tell me how smart you are or how strong you are, how much money you have, chances are you either don't have any of those things or you just have really low self-value and self-confidence. And I think this is really, you know, part of it stemmed from that. And like I said, part of it stemmed from, I think he just was no longer the big dog in the yard. And that's, that's, that's tough, no matter what sport you do. You know, and especially in this, in CrossFit, it's like you're still training so hard, you're still working out so hard, and all of a sudden these these youngsters are are taking over. I've seen it happen to me in many different sports, and you know, there's a reason most professional athletes are retired by forty. Yeah, so he's he's having a hard time dealing with all the new people coming in that are beating him. Do you think there's anything you could have done up to this point? Because really, what we're going to talk about next is. You, you let him go from the gym. You fired him as a client. But do you think there's anything you could have done prior from a leadership standpoint that maybe would have helped this? Other than like, okay, I want you to start two minutes later and try to catch them or things like that. I could have just been more mature in general, right? So obviously this party that we discussed in the beginning influenced a lot of this. You know, maybe reining that in a few years prior to when I did. Um, you know, and then there's also the aspect of, and, and I say this all the time, especially we'll, we'll talk about it in our, in our episode where, you know, people are rep shaving, but I'm just like the mentality of like, who the F cares? Like, all right, Andy, you want to throw 135 on the bar? By all means, do it. Like, there's that component to it. Like, why did I care so much? It was more, that was my ego getting in the way. Yeah. In retrospect, at least he's in the gym doing something. Yeah. I mean, He's in the gym for the most part. He's doing the workouts I put out there. You know, I was so attached to what I had learned through CrossFit about intensity and make, and I think, you know, back in the day, that's how it was. Like we've talked about it. It's like, what? You're not doing paleo. You're not allowed here. Right. And it was the same principle to, to this. Like, so could I have handled that a little better? So long as he was safe and and in, in, in fairness to, to Andy, I don't think he was ever completely unsafe. You know, he wasn't the best mover. And there were times I think I could have, would have liked to see him go a little deeper in his squat, but I don't think he was going to, you know, break his back either. So yeah, maybe that. And then just in general preaching, you know, the, the importance of some of these, I think, you know, we talked about it with, with YouTube. There are a lot of bad videos of Albany CrossFit circa, you know, 2007, eight, nine, where the, the mechanics just weren't there. So if I would have been a little more diligent on that, maybe it would have impacted this. And that essentially the final impact was you telling him he couldn't come to the gym anymore. So can you talk about that? Had you already decided that you were going to fire him as a client going into your last meeting with him? Or did it just kind of dawn on you during the meeting that this is really the only course of action right now? Yeah, no, I certainly didn't go into the meeting with that intention. It wasn't anything that even had ever crossed my mind. Like, you know, fire a client, he's paying me money. Why would I not want his money? That was the first time I realized, Hey, one bad apple can spoil the bunch. And, you know, we went in there to have a nice chat and, and at the end, that's what it turned into and emotions got high. But I think any box owner, you need to be willing to get rid of somebody. Like there are times, many times that I should have done it over the years of at Albany CrossFit. And I can think of maybe three times I actually did it and 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 keep in mind it was never you're fired get out of here it was hey if we can't see it eye to eye I can't have you here 
you know, and I think there's a difference. I'm giving you the opportunity. I, you know, it's like, you know, relating it to what we talked about earlier. He goes to the dojo. He's not telling his professor or sensei what to do, but in this scenario, he felt like it was okay. Well, it almost seems like at times just because of the, the nature of CrossFit and the party aspect of it, whatnot, that it breeds that, that kind of a mindset, you know, where at a dojo or, or, or a karate studio, whatever they are, you know, even like a, a yoga studio, the, it's not like that. It's a little more serious. So you maybe view your yoga instructor or your sensei in a different light than you view your CrossFit coach. Yeah, definitely not I a think, good thing. Well, no, and I mean, I think, yeah, there's, you know, a different rank system. There's other coaches involved at this point at Albany CrossFit. So it wasn't just me that he was dealing with. Yeah, I think it's it's just a different scenario. But at the same time, you can't expect, you know, you, you're basically speaking, you know, out of both sides of your, of your mouth where you're like, hey, I want this to be dojo-esque, but I'm not going to respect the sensei. Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk more about firing a client. Uh, in general, is that something that if, if you know it needs to be done, okay, I need to talk to, to Jason on Tuesday and I need to let him go. It's just not working out. We've had several talks already. So is that something that should be done at the box or outside of the box? I mean, I think it's nice. In theory, you would do it outside of the box just in case it got hot and you didn't want anything to, you know, for the members to see it. Yeah. But you might not always have that opportunity. You know, maybe something happens in that moment that you're at the box and you have to handle it right then and there. So, yeah, I think ideally, you know, it goes back to a handful of chapters where we talked about take these guys out, talk to them. You know, maybe if we would have just had to sit down and, and you know, drank some coffee or had lunch, it might have been a different scenario. As a um, just a general practice, do you think once you've let a client go, it clearly wasn't working out the first time? Do you think it's a good idea for a box? to open up second chances like do you think it could ever really change it's almost like taking back an ex you know like it's it doesn't always really work out but then again you have someone coming back to you saying hey i i realized i was wrong i want to pay your business this money i i want to just come in and do the workouts like can you trust that person and is it a good idea to let them back you know i think anyone listening has made that mistake and gone back to their ex and most of the people listening can you know are smiling right now, realizing that that typically doesn't work out. The same reasons you broke up the first time or, you know, why it won't work the second time. But, you know, there are a handful of people where that works. They get divorced and years later they get remarried. So I, I think this is obviously a lot different than, than getting back with your ex. But you certainly have to have your guard up and be aware. Like, we can't, we can't slip into bad habits. And, you know, I, I want to welcome you back. And depending on the scenario, right, someone – is fired from your gym for verbally abusing a coach. That's very different than someone who's not really a bad dude, just isn't listening to me on the workouts. Yeah. Now, how do you go about damage control with the rest of the membership? So you, you tell Andy, okay, you can't come in anymore. Or you tell someone else who maybe has a, a circle of friends because CrossFit can become very clicky at times and you let one of them go. Okay. It's not working out. How do you, manage that with the rest of the membership? I mean, I think typically if you're firing someone, the rest of the members don't like them. You know, it's, it'd be very weird to have this great member, like a pillar of your community that you have to fire. 
you know, and in this situation, we were smaller. We were probably less than a hundred members at the time, but like I was saying, he's also pretty much removed himself from the community. So it wasn't that hard. I think it was, you know, the, the, the my inside circle at the time, I probably talked about it with, but I would venture to say no one else really even noticed. Well, now let's, let's flip the coin though. Cause you know, it, it can happen where you have a member who maybe has a greater influence over other members in the gym than maybe the coaching staff does, you know, and they're talking behind the coaching staff's back about the programming. They're saying we should do things this way, all kinds of stuff. So they're a problem in a different way and they don't want to come correct and they have this following and you decide to let them go. How do you deal with that now? That's tough. I mean, it's no different really than when a box opens, right? You got, you got a, someone leaving. I, th- I think, you know, you need transparency, but I'd say the biggest rule that I would give anybody going through this is do not say a bad word about that person in public. I mean, ideally in private either, but at least not to other people. Gossip and drama, it will spread. Just handle it. You know, if somebody comes up to you, hey, why'd you get rid of Andy? Oh, uh, you know, we just weren't seeing eye to eye and this wasn't a great fit for him. So, you know, keep keep it as as private as you can, but Yeah, there doesn't need to be a big Facebook manifesto. You don't need to have your response video when they eventually post, (laughs) you know, their big post on Facebook and all that stuff, you know. Um, You should probably take them off of your social media outlets. You know, like like if you're going to, it's like almost like if you're firing an, uh, an employee, you get the keys to the building, you change the locks, you change the passwords, all that stuff, which I hope people listening to this would would do that, you know, yeah. or, or, or like breaking up with an ex. You got to go back on Instagram and delete all the pictures with them. Yep. All the pictures. You got to get a box, <laughs> all their stuff in the box and burn it. <laughs> oh, maybe not that, but so on, on, on page 18, you mentioned how at this point you had been training people for 15 years and Andy was your first client to be fired. And you had trained many, uh, quote, wretched people, some annoying people, some smelly people, but no matter what, you took their money and kept on training them. Do you have any examples, and you don't have to name names, of some of the wretched people? On What were the kind of things that people would do where you maybe contemplated, I don't know if I should be training you anymore, or if I want to be training you anymore? Oh, there were just people I didn't like. I think it was really just like respect i was younger as a personal trainer you know right out of college so 22 to 30 was really when i was training a lot of people so i was younger you know and you people pay you and all of a sudden they they think they own you you know and and to that point i'll have people in 2020 reach out to me that i had like a nutrition consultation with seven years ago and they're like hey you did my you know macros uh can you redo them for me and i'm like you paid me $30, you know, seven years ago. Like, no, I'm not doing, you know. So I think whenever money is exchanged, people felt like it was, it was mostly those people that just, you know, weren't, weren't respectful. I had so many clients that treated me so well between, you know, inviting me out to dinners with them and, and you know, taking good care of me, making me food like we've talked about with Donna or Diana or Susie, but then just a handful that I didn't like. And, um, yeah, I had one really smelly guy. Also, I have a really bad sense of smell, meaning I can't smell other people very well or or anything for that matter. But 
there was I I don't want to say his name, but I used to train him in the upstairs area of the core club, and people would no joke. This one lady would walk around with a bottle of Febreze and just spray it in the air, <laughs> and eventually I had to I said to him like, hey, and and he was from a different culture. We don't have to dive into that, but I just said, hey, just so you know, a handful of people have complained about this, and he 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 threw on some deodorant. It was good to go. So you know, even so, it was the one of the most awkward conversations I've ever had. And I was young, you know, so I didn't probably could have handled it differently. But turns out if you're just nice to someone and, and talk to them, again, a good thing It just happen. comes down to just talking and communication. But now speaking Correct. about tough love, do you have any examples from your time owning affiliates or training people where tough love went wrong? Probably. Tough, tough love is still love, but sometimes you're trying to give someone that tough love and it doesn't work out. Do you have any recollection of times when that happened? Yeah. I mean, obviously the whole 5k incident was a big, you know, that was kind of tough love, but I think more, it was just like the way in which I spoke to people. It wasn't from a place of compassion and empathy. It was more, I'm the boss. I know better than you do this versus, Hey, here's why I think this would be better for you. Try it this way. So I think, I think it was more that, you know, whether it was, you're, you're using too much weight or whether, you know, you're, oh, even people, I remember people that would overdo it and I would get mad at them or yell at them for not taking rest days. It's like, I'm trying to help you, but I wasn't handling it well. And, and same with nutrition. And it's, it's really, it's like, it's tough because like, how, how do you keep them out of the gym? You know, like someone has an unlimited membership. They're like, I'll see you tomorrow. And you're like, you should take a rest day tomorrow. Or I want you to take a rest day tomorrow. And they're like, well, I'm coming in anyway, so I'm paying for it. It's, yeah. a, it's a very difficult thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where, again, you have to really front load that stuff and, and talk to people about it in advance. And, and again, just meet them wherever they are. Explain to them why. I understand this is your outlet. I understand this is your de-stress hour. However, you want to come in and stretch, do that in the corner. But I need you to not work out today. Yeah. And I think maybe the frequency too, that you have that conversation, because, you know, it, you talk about an on-ramp and then six months later, if, if you're not, if it's not a constant topic, nutrition, recovery, then that kind of thing kind of falls by the wayside for many people. Yeah. You, you got to really, you got to dive into that because those things are the foundation, right? We talk about yeah. it all the time. Nutrition is 80%. And if you're not talking, if you're not talking about it, you're actually doing your athletes a disservice. Yeah. It's gotta be, it's gotta be built into your program. So do you think that maybe that would be a good homework assignment for the affiliate owner and coach that's listening right now is to figure out some kind of way to maybe on a weekly basis, start to add these topics into the conversation, goal setting, uh, recovery, uh, mobility, nutrition, things to avoid essentially burnout and have a more clear path of where, everyone is going forward. It could even be at the whiteboard brief. That's exactly what I was thinking. I think that's great. I think, you know, those are like we've discussed, we may have tried to do too much specialty classes. We had like a goal setting specialty class after, you know, the fire breather OG Greg Amundsen came in and did his goal setting seminar. So maybe it's not, you know, uh, its own class, but maybe it's once a week. Hey, at the whiteboard, we talk about this and you, all of your coaches get a, a video or, a dialogue that they can they can share so every class is getting it you know and if it's not at the whiteboard brief maybe it's during the cool down hey guys let's talk for five minutes about nutrition you know it's friday 
the weekend's coming, here's what I want you to do, or who has a goal. You know, those are things, while structure is good and, and, and important, those are things that should be happening just every day naturally. Yeah, keep, keep it loose, keep it casual, and that way it's a little more friendly. And maybe you have that little nutrition talk, you know, five minutes while everyone's on a foam roller. And then before everyone goes, like, hey, if, if anyone wants to have a deeper discussion on their personal nutrition, we offer consultations. So now you're, you're, you're offering a service to them, and you could maybe also make the business a little bit more money as opposed to never talking about it. Yeah. And, you know, and that's a great idea to charge for it. It's also just, you know, all these little intangible things, talking about nutrition, talking about goals, you know, talking about rest and recovery are things that a prove more value for you. So when you're charging 150 or $200 a month, there's the value, but also it's all about retention. You know, if, if someone's burned out like this chapter or, you know, if, if you have someone that's burned out, it, it chances are it's one of these things that could have been addressed. No different than, I mean, realizing in retrospect after writing this book and now recording these episodes, 90% of these issues come from just lack of communication. And it's any relationship. It's a relationship with your members. It's a relationship with your wife. It's a relationship with your boss. If you just talk, you can solve a lot of these problems before they happen. And as coaches, we are professional communicators. <laughs> you know? we, we should be. But I mean, you know, no, I don't think anyone goes into coaching like, hey, I really want to communicate well with others. You know, yeah. it's like. But it's I kind love, of funny. You have to be able to, to coach well. Yeah. I mean, that's the presence and attitude aspect of being an, you know, an effective coach. Like, how well do you click with others? Do people like being around you? Most of us, I don't think, you know, when you were at Binghamton, you know, you were like, wow. I want to take exercise science really just thinks leads me to think I'm going to be able to talk to people a lot. You know, you're like, I want to learn the anatomy and physiology and I want to help people be healthier. And that's why we all do this. You know, I didn't start Albany Cross because I wanted to deal with people. You know, it was actually the opposite. I started Albany Cross. So I had to deal with less people, right. You know, one hour a day instead of 12, but. It's actually funny when, when I was at SUNY Cortland uh, getting my degree we took a lot of, you know, uh, anatomy and physiology courses. We did some public speaking courses, but then like a ton of like uh, psychology courses as well. And they're like, you're going to have to use a, a lot of this when yeah, training and, athletes. Yeah. And I mean, my major was psychology and so many people have said that to me. Wow. Great. Major. You know, and in retrospect, it really was, but it's not my degree. It's not my master's degree. It's the experience. You know, it's, it's, it's the years of just inter it's these lessons, why I can do this today. Yeah. And just to go back to how you can keep recovery, nutrition and avoiding burnout in the conversation at your box is maybe put it in the one place where, you know, everyone is going to pretty much look, this is one thing that we struggled with at Albany CrossFit for a while is how do I get people to be in the loop on like community news? So it'd be on the board, we'd send out emails, it'd be on Instagram, it'd be on Facebook, we would, it'd be everywhere. But there'd still be a group of people who were like, I didn't get the message. And you're like, well, wait a minute, we, it's everywhere. Uh, and then we experimented with putting it on the, um, the Wattify whiteboard. So you read the workout and the news is there as well. And I know CrossFit New England does that as well, where they'll have box news underneath the wad. So you could have like a, you know, like a weekly vegetable or a weekly nutrition tip 
or something on your wad board just to kind of have it in the conversation. And then that can be what you talk about in classes too. Yeah. In this day and age, there's no excuse, whether you're putting it on, you know, Wadify, Sugar Wad, your, your Jim's Instagram, your, your MailChimp email blast that you send out every Tuesday morning, you know, the, there, there's no shortage of ways to communicate that. And then, you know, you, you'll still have members that be like, Oh, I didn't know, you know, for example, you know, you're having a, a seminar at the box and a member shows up for class. Like, Oh, there's no class today. Uh, yeah, we talked about it every day this past week. It was in our email. It's on our Facebook. You know, you're always going to have people that just it, miss everything somehow. Yeah, but, that still happens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but, but at least do your due diligence and put it out there. Perfect. Well, Jay, do you have any other thoughts on tough love still being love? Well, I think we've overlooked the fact that, you know, Andy came back. Oh, he did. Okay. I didn't realize yeah. that. So, I mean, I, I think I talked about it in the chapter, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, I mean, he spent some time away and then he came back. Um, you know, and, and, and not that I want, you know, first of all, kudos to him. Took a lot, you know, putting his ego aside doing that, but you know, he realized, Hey, training, heavier and especially training without this community because at the time there was no other box to go to so you know he's trying to do it at a globo gym and just wasn't happening and you know to this day while he's no longer at albany crossfit um because other boxes have opened and i know he's bounced around a little bit and his family has expanded and his work life has gotten hectic i know he still trains crossfit um you know he and i still communicate i still see his social media and you know i think I, I truly believe had I not fired him, he would have either hurt himself or just fell out of love with CrossFit because it's punishing if you just try to go too heavy, too much, you know, too often. So I, I think that this conversation really helped him and, and it was, uh, you know, something that allowed him to make CrossFit something he does for the rest of his life. Well, that's good. I'm glad there's a, a happy ending to, to the story. At, at the end of the chapter, you do discuss that. You guys shook hands, maybe even hugged, and you were proud to say that he's still, you know, climbing to the top of the leaderboard and whatnot, but it was a little ambiguous on whether or not he came back. I was going to say, I was going to say, you helped edit the book. Are you sure you read this chapter? It, it, it's, uh, it kind of seems like he just faded off into the sunset. He was like Bruce, Bruce Banner on the sidewalk hitchhiking, you know, as <laughs> there, the music fades out. There's a little bit of that to it. You know, he came back, the gym was growing, you know, it's like, um, I would equate it to like when an athlete comes back from retirement, you know, like you're excited they're there, but you very quickly forget about them. Like they're not the same superstar that they were, you know, when Michael Jordan came back and played for the Washington wizards, like the first couple of games, you're like, wow, Jordan's back. And then you're like, all right, he's just he's an back. average dude now. Yeah. And I think it was the same situation here, but you know, it was, it was good to know. It was good to have him back. And um, you know, all these years later, like I said, it was something that I've, I've learned a lot from. So I think, I think good homework, like you said, would be just in general, if you're a box owner or coach, add to the conversation, you know, be it nutrition, be it mobility, be it, why do we, why do we do this? You know, how many members of your box come in every day? Cause they signed up. They don't know any, like what is intensity explaining that to them? Like, Hey, when you pick up the bar and you don't put it down, you're getting intensity. Intensity is the independent variable most commonly associated with, the rate of return of favorable adaptation, you know, therefore intensity equals results. Open up those conversations. And, you know, and, and I, I would challenge you to do this. So we have a challenge for 
the everyday person as well. Think about how you can explain something that you understand well to someone that doesn't. Because I think that's a part of this as well. You, you, you understand it, but they don't. So how can you make, you know, how can you explain it to a kindergartner? Think about that lesson outside of the box and inside of the box. Like Einstein. Exactly. Explaining science. Exactly. It's a, uh, if, if you can't explain it to a kindergartner, you don't know it very well. And you know, we've, we've explained a couple strategies on how to do this already in our talk. If you figure out a better way to do this, you know, let us know, tag us both uh, best hour of their day, tag Jay, tag myself, and let us know what creative way you figured out to communicate some of these things to your members. And then we can help spread the word too. Yeah, I would love to hear that. You know, for anything you're listening to, tag tag me directly, uh, hashtag me, whatever it takes. You guys know how to do it. Email me. But uh, yeah, look, we're recording these every day uh, for, for 32 days because it's something that both James and I are passionate about. So share share your experiences with us. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jay. Thank you for talking today and we'll we'll get back at it tomorrow. Thanks again for listening to that special episode of Best Hour of Their Day. If you enjoyed, go ahead and download the book. You can check out the audio book. You can check out the paperback or even the ebook. We place the link right in the show description. So once again, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day.